0: You know, today's modern culture is, as long as this person makes me feel good, I will stay with them. Then I'll find the next person that makes me feel good. That's why we have so much divorce and unrest in homes today. But the Bible says that a woman that fears the Lord, that's who we should be looking for. If you, as a man today can say, I have a woman who fears the Lord, know how blessed you are. It is indeed a pleasure to be with you today. Um, and before I begin, i just like to dedicate... This sermon to two people. First of all, to my mother, uh, without whom I I, uh, may not have come to know the Lord Jesus. My father loves the Lord as well, but it was at my mother's knee that I came to know the Lord, who I cherish so much. And then also to Uncle Frank Niblank, Um, He lived a quiet, peaceable life and showed me, as one of my many examples, what it was like to love the Lord and to love others. And so, Uncle Frank, I know that you are in heaven, but I'm dedicating this sermon to you. And, you know, every time a loved one passes away, it kind of redoubles my effort. To live every day to the fullest for the Lord because we don't know when our name will be called. But we know that He will be faithful to complete His work in us until the day that He returns. And boy, do I long for that day. I will have a new body. And there will be no. <laughs> there will be no more funerals. <coughs> and... <laughs> and no more tearful goodbyes. The devil thinks he's winning, but we know who really won. Jesus on that Easter morning, when he broke free of the tomb, when he left the men who were guarding the tomb in shock, and when he caused the Sanhedrin to make up a story about the disciples moving his body because they did not want to reconcile with the truth that Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. All right, well, today's message is a Mother's Day message, as is my pattern here on the second Sunday in May. So if you would, uh, we will be taking a break from Acts, and I would ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 2. <laughs> Exodus chapter 2 we're going to look at the first 10 verses and today we're looking at lessons in motherhood from Moses mother now if you just read this passage in passing you may think well this doesn't talk very much about Moses mother but if you dig in a little deeper you realize that there are actually quite a few things that we can learn from this woman who gave birth to Moses. I want to point out too that God promised to always be with His people. He promised Abraham That there would be a great nation coming from his loins. And then he made Sarah barren. Then Sarah had Isaac. And he said, there will be a great nation coming from you, Isaac. But then he made Rebekah barren. And then Rebekah had Jacob and Esau, two brothers. And God said, the older will serve the younger. And of the younger was the one that God chose to make the great nation and he had 13 children 12 sons and a daughter and they were the great nation of Israel and they were in danger of famine but God sent Joseph ahead of them he said to his brothers what you meant for evil God meant for good to save much people alive and I believe it was 75 or 80 people went over to Egypt of Israel's family to be saved in a time of famine. And while Jacob was going to Egypt, God said, Don't be afraid to go to Egypt, for I will preserve you there. But he also prophesied another thing that his people would be in bondage for over 400 years. I believe that's what he told Abraham. And so God is once again going to begin a rescue mission, but it begins with the faithfulness of Amram and Jochebed. And that's what we're going to read about today. Now, it's interesting that Jochebed's name is not mentioned in this exodus passage but it is mentioned in exodus 6 verse 20 and in numbers 25 59 i believe so we know that this is who it is so let's look at this passage together let's start out with a quick word of prayer heavenly father lord we lift up John Beorley to you and we ask that you would sustain him and give him strength. Ask that in your will that you would bring him home to his wife (laughs) Anne, And I just pray that you would be with her, Lord. I know that she's anxious. And so we just ask you to wrap your ever-loving arms around her and just give her peace. And I pray the same for my dear Aunt Jane Nibelink that you would be with her in this great time of sorrow for her. And now as we open your word and we learn what it has to share with us, may we once again leave here changed people better than when we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so let's look at the first two verses of Exodus chapter 2. The first thing... That we learn through the testimony of Jacobet. is godly mothers persevere in faith. You remember that this time that Moses is born. Is a time where the Pharaoh has already said. Kill all the baby boys and throw them in the river. Why did he say this? Because the children of Israel. Followed God's command to be fruitful and multiply. And they were waxing mighty in, in the earth. And Pharaoh said, Let us deal wisely with them. And so he made them slaves. But when they continued to multiply, he said, Throw them in the river. And the midwives, because they feared God, said, We will not do this thing. And God gave them an answer for Pharaoh because they said, As soon as we get to these women, they give birth to these babies. And so that is the backdrop against which Moses is born. And it says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. So she knew that the Pharaoh would want to throw him in the river and kill him. And she knew. That she couldn't do that. She looked at him and she saw that he was a, a goodly child. I, I saw in some other translations that it was a beautiful child. And some scholars believe that this beauty was not just physical. But that, that there was some indication to Jacobed that Moses was a special child. For a special purpose. We don't know how much of that is true. It's not elucidated here in the Bible. But we do know that she hid him. And when he got to be about three months, it was too... He was getting too old to just hide in the house, wherever they were. And so she had to take action. But lest... We have any doubts about this woman's faith in God. She is mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. If someone could read for us Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23. Hebrews 11 23. We will see some further insight into the faith of this dear woman. My faith Moses. Was hidden three months by his parents because he saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. What a wonderful testimony. That they hid him because they saw that he was a beautiful child, but I want you to pay attention to the second part of that verse. They were not afraid of the king. They were not afraid of the edict of the Pharaoh. They said, we must do what is right. And how many of us today are sitting here because we had mothers who were willing to do what is right. Now I don't know if my parents ever were directly told this, but I was born at a time in history when many disabled people, or perhaps sh- shortly after a time in history when many disabled people, it was recommended that they be institutionalized. Well, my, par- my parents... When I was born, they were scared, but they had faith to believe that God had a plan for my life. And that is why I'm here today preaching to you because of the faithfulness of my parents, my mother and my father. And it is because of the faithfulness of Amram and Jacobed, the parents of Moses, that Moses was able to be preserved alive for what purpose? Ultimately, even though it was 80 years in the future, it was to save much people alive when he led the children of Israel out of bondage. Even though he resisted, remember, in the next couple chapters, if we read on, we read that he says, send anyone else, Lord. But God says, no, Moses. Moses. Go your way and I will tell you what to say. So God had a plan for Moses and it was brought about because of his faithful mother who persevered in faith, who was not afraid of the king. I found this little story here about a couple different mothers in history. There lived at one time in England a remarkable woman. She had 19 children. Their infant life was regulated by method. Their sleep was meted out by rule. Each child on his fifth birthday began to have regular lessons. The mother was herself the teacher of all the children, younger and older. She had a marvelous ability and wonderful patience, and her success in training and education of her children has won for her an unquestionable place among great mothers. Her name is Susanna Wesley, mother of John and Charles Wesley. There is Monica, the mother of Augustine, who when her son wandered far astray from her early teaching, never lost faith that God would bring him back, and by her love and prayers dragged him from the mire and set him among princes. Benjamin West said that a kiss from his mother made him a painter. D.L. Moody said that all he ever accomplished in his life was due to his mother. Daniel Webster ascribed his masterful use of English to his mother's teaching. Thomas Carlyle's strongest passion all through his life was his love for his mother. Disagreeable he often was to others, but to her always tender and considerate. Eugene Field Field was a child of six years when his mother died, but he said, I have carried the memory of her gentle voice and soothing touch all through life. Robert Moffat testified that it was his mother's influence that led him to be a missionary. John Randolph said I would have been an atheist, but for the recollection of kneeling at my mother's side while she taught me to say, Our Father. William Lloyd Garrison ascribed all his merits to his mother's teaching. We recall Cobbard's lines to his mother's pictures and Eliza Cook's beautiful poem to her mother, and Kipling's Mother O Mine. The great, the famous, can leave on record their tribute to their mother, and many others of us who have walked life's common path can say with them. Over our hearts in days that are flown, no love like mother love ever was shown, and through many a summer the grass has grown green, blossomed and faded our faces between yet with strong yearning and passionate pain long we at times for our mothers again and that was from the Christian Union Herald so we owe a lot to mothers a lot of times society even in Christian society would tell you you're not doing enough If your title is just a mother But without a faithful mother Like Susanna Wesley We would not have had John and Charles Wesley And their great contributions To the Christian faith We would not have had The great preacher D.L. Moody So mothers have a great And solemn responsibility To lead their children And And launch them as arrows to do great and wonderful things for the Lord Jesus Christ. The second point, we said godly mothers persevere in faith. The second point is godly mothers protect their children. Godly mothers protect their children. So we resume our narrative and. Exodus 2 verse 3 and when she could no longer hide him she took from him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank and his sister stood, stood afar off to wit what would be done to him and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river And her maidens walked down along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew's children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I call to the nurse of the Hebrew women that she shall nurse the child for thee. We see here, I think, from my study and from considering it myself, a very prayerful and deliberate plan on the part of Moses' mother. It has been suggested that perhaps the Pharaoh's daughter had a routine of when she would go down to the river each day and that Jacobed knew this. She put the baby at the river's edge in the ark made with pitch. It's interesting that this same word is uh, used one other time when it talks about Noah's Ark. And in both of these cases, it's for saving someone alive. And the baby wept. And the Pharaoh's daughter found the baby and said, this is one of the Hebrew children, and she had compassion upon Moses. Moses. And then Miriam, who was watching on the shore, not missing anything, runs up and says, shall I get one of the Hebrew women for you? And guess who she brought? Moses' own mother. And so, Jochebed has this wonderful opportunity to continue to pour into... Her song, all Orchestrate by God above. We sing a song like a, like a river glorious, and in that song, there's a verse that says, "Every joy or trial falleth from above, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love." Everything is orchestrated by God. And in this case he gave Jacobed back her son. She protected him and God gave him back for a season. I wonder if we might look at another instance of a mother protecting their children. And um, that is found in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 24 to 27. 1 Kings chapter 3, 24 to 27. Solomon has just been made king. God said to Solomon, what do you desire from me? Do you want wealth, fame, or wisdom? Solomon made the wise choice, no pun intended, and said, I would like wisdom. For I am but a little child, and this people that you have given me to lead is great. Wouldn't it be great if we had a president that ascended to office in the United States of America and said, I need your wisdom, Lord, because I am a little child. And this people that you've given me to lead is great. Isn't it amazing that the king said that? But this passage that we're about to read is an example of God answering that prayer. And he said, I will give you wisdom, but he also gave him the other due things. What was it that Jesus said to us once? He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So if someone could read that passage. And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her balls yearned upon her son, and she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. So there's parallels here, isn't there? Because a mother wants her child to live even if it's not with her. This mother of the living child that Solomon was dealing with, she said, I don't care if I get to keep this child, just don't kill it because it needs to live. In a similar way, Jacobed was willing to raise Moses to eventually end up in the Pharaoh's palace. And we'll read we would read in Hebrews, I believe that Moses became wise in everything regarding the Egyptians. And tradition tells us that he was in line to be the Pharaoh until he decided that he would rather give up the the fanciness of Egypt than to endure the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, that's another story where if you just look at the Old Testament, you say, well, he just ran because he was going to be killed by the Pharaoh. But then we read in Hebrews that he made a conscious decision that following God was more important than enjoying the pleasures of following after the sinful, false gods of Egypt. But we see here a mother who was willing to give up her son For his own welfare. If she had kept Moses. He would have been one of the babies that was killed. She couldn't keep him. She had to give him away. And as a result. Many people. As we said. Were saved alive. During a forest fire on one of the government forest reserves, a ranger came upon a bear cub with severely burned feet and body. The youngster was whimpering painfully, and so the forester put it into his automobile and made it fast with a rope. When he started on his way, however, he discovered that the mother bear had appeared and was following in hot pursuit. Moreover, since the road ran uphill, she was gaining. The ranger decided to throw the cub overboard, but his attempts to untie the knots were futile. He glanced back, the mother bear was close behind, and just then, with a mighty effort, she threw herself upon the back of the car while the forester dived over the side. He regained his feet in time to see the automobile continuing its journey with a happy family reunited. Later, he found it at the side of the road. Everything was intact except the side of the seat to which the cub had been tied. The old bear had torn it out. To release her offspring, there is nothing. There is nothing human, human, so irresistible or so unselfish as a mother love. Is a mother, as a mother's love. There is nothing so irresistible or unselfish as a mother's love. So. We've now seen that godly mothers persevere in faith. Godly mothers protect their children. And in our final section, we find that godly mothers prepare their children. Exodus chapter 2, verses 8 to 10 read, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's own mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, and the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. So, not only is she given the opportunity to raise her own child for a little while longer, she is being paid by the Pharaoh's daughter to do it. Now, the Pharaoh's daughter knew that he was a Hebrew because she said it immediately. This is one of the Hebrew's babies. I don't know what the Pharaoh knew or thought about this, but uh, it's quite amazing that this child that the Pharaoh would have thrown into the river and killed was now being kept alive by his mother and being paid by the Egyptians to take care of. What a wonderful turn of events that was. And as I studied this out, I come to find that scholars believe he could have been anywhere from two to three to six at the time that he was returned to the Pharaoh's palace. One of the things that I read about this particular topic was that it's very possible that he was at least six because the Pharaoh's daughter wouldn't have wanted to deal with things like the terrible twos, or potty training, or anything like that, that very little kids need. And so, him being an older child would make sense. Another reason why I believe this is important is because If he was six, no doubt his mother spent all those years with her son, being paid by the Egyptians, telling him what? About the one true God, whom they served. Remember, when Moses is talked to by God, out of the burning bush, his first response is right. Because what does he say? He says, here I am, Lord. And so, I think, contrary to Charlton Heston's The Ten Commandments, that Moses knew very well as he was growing up that he was a Hebrew. As a matter of fact, the book of Acts in Acts chapter 7 seems to indicate that even as a young man, still living and in power in Egypt. He had some inkling that he wanted to save his people, but he wasn't ready to lead and they weren't ready to follow him. And so what does God do? God leads Moses to the back of the desert and says, Here, be a shepherd. And for 40 years, Moses is a shepherd. And only at the time When Moses is truly humbled and realizes he can't do it, that's when God shows up and says, Okay, Moses, now you're ready. Except that it's kind of interesting that Moses got so ready and so humble that he didn't want to do it at first. But we see in this passage a mother who no doubt told him of his heritage told them about hiding him in the bulrushes, told him about how he was going to go to Pharaoh's house, and told him to never lose sight of the one true God. Oh, that we would have mothers that do that today, and if you have a mother that has done that for you. Be thankful. Can we read very quickly Proverbs 31 26 to 30? Proverbs 31 26 to 30. 6 to 30. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise, and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her, many women, do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So in this passage, we see that wisdom is one of the first things mentioned as something that a mother imparts to her children. And then she looks well to the care of her children. And then at the end of the passage, it says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she... Shall be praised. You know, today's modern culture is as long as this person makes me feel good, I will stay with them. And then I'll find the next person that makes me feel good. That's why we have so much divorce and unrest in homes today. But the Bible says that a woman that fears the Lord, that's who we should be looking for. If you, as a man today, can say, I have a woman who fears the Lord, know how blessed you are. I'm so grateful to have a mother who fears the Lord, who isn't afraid to say difficult things to me, Challenge me to be better. To encourage me to keep on keeping on. I'm going to close with this poem. And then we'll close in prayer. No one knows of the work it makes to keep the home together. No one knows the steps it takes. No one knows but mother. No one, Nobody knows... The lessons taught. Of loving one another. Nobody knows the patient sought. Nobody knows. But mother. And as we. Finish. This message. Remember I said at the beginning. That God has been. At the heartbeat of several rescue missions. For. For. His people, the Jews. Well, his latest and greatest and final rescue mission was accomplished at the cross of Calvary. And when he sent Peter to Cornelius, he was telling us as Gentiles, this way is open to you as well. And I... I am so thankful for that. My prayer to you, as we close today, is that you will embrace the Christ of the cross. If you know Him, that you will rededicate yourself to walking even close, more closely with Him. And that you'll be thankful for those in your life who have endeavored to keep you on the straight and narrow. And truly, many of us can say that that person perhaps more than any other is our mother and we're so thankful for that I am so thankful for that let's pray and give thanks to God Heavenly Father we thank you for the testimony of Jacob someone who hid her son Moses and did not fear the king Lord we pray for the mothers that we know, the mothers that we have. We thank you for their willingness to stand up for what is right and to not fear the leadership that we have today. We pray that we would continue to stand strong in the faith, that we would contend for it, that we would not be swayed by false doctrine. Lord, I pray for the mothers here, that they would not be swayed by a world that tells them that it's not enough. Because the reality is that we can't repay our mothers for all the things that they have done for us. We praise you and thank you for your wonderful plan for the family. And we pray that we would continue to be lights, as it says in Philippians, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation that knows not God.